Welcome to the Earning the Push podcast, a new show by fans for fans of professional wrestling to do the two things we love the most. Talk about the industry as it is now, and then what we would do if we were in charge. My name is Jack Murley. I'm a professional broadcaster. Alongside me each and every week is my co-host, Charlie Beckett, a professional rugby player. As people, we couldn't be more different, but the one thing that's brought us together as friends is our love of professional wrestling. And it's what's bringing us together with you each and every week. This is a show we want you to be involved with. You can get involved by tweeting at Charlie underscore Beckett at Jack underscore Murley or emailing earning the push podcast at hotmail.com. Loads of people have been doing that already. Charlie, we've teased it on social media, but it's finally here and this is exciting, my friend. It's exciting. Cannot wait, mate. It's like those, um, you know, when they would tease things for ages on WWE. It's like, I remember when The Undertaker came back once, it was those teas of him coming out that uh, cabin in the woods during the wilderness. I feel like that, but we've maybe not had quite the production value WWE have for their teasing. But that's what I feel. I feel like. Everyone's hopefully going to be very excited for this. I'm very excited. This is just everything we love to do as wrestling fans, but trying to get it involved in the community. So I'm, I'm mad excited. I've I've done a few podcasts now, Jack. I've never made as many notes coming into a podcast as I have for this one. This is like, yesterday for about an hour, I was sat just fantasy booking, everything going over my head. I'm just very excited to crack on with this. Each and every week, we will be talking about the state of the industry and we will be doing some fantasy booking as well. Loads of notes coming in from people wanting to get involved. Uh, We'll start going into some of those shortly. But first, let's do part one of the show, which is always casting our eye over the current industry as it stands. What's catching your eye, Charlie? What's the first thing you want to vent and get off your chest? From a vent and get off my chest point of view, I've got to say I think Raw's not in a good way at the moment, is it? There's not really much you need to see on Monday Night Raw. So we're recording this one on the 4th of May, so we've just had the Monday uh, 3rd of May episode. When the biggest thing I can talk about is the fact that Eve Marie is coming back. I mean, that's probably probably says more about the state of Raw than Eve Marie, bless her. It's a shame because they've we, we were speaking off air, but they've got everything they need there for a great show. And they're just not putting it out there. The one thing I'm enjoying is the stupid tag team of Orson and Riddle, RK Bro, they're making me laugh. And I saw Mick Foley tweet, I think he's right, there's some sort of feel of rock and sock connection there of the odd couple who shouldn't work but will. And I, I'm enjoying that. But apart from that, Jack, there's, Raw's not great at the moment, I don't think. I was having a conversation with someone who's actually got in touch with the podcast. This is Chris who says, at the moment, WWE is just so difficult to watch. And one of the things I said to him uh, is, is, is it WWE? Or is it Monday Night Raw? Because I'm sure we'll talk about SmackDown and NXT as we go along. And in fairness to those shows, there's been some really good work. But Monday Night Raw, the flagship for a long time, seems to have just been pushed to one side. Unthinkable we'd have said that four, five years ago, but in a changing TV market where perhaps WWE's priorities are different in terms of distribution, it does seem like it's it's been shoved off to the edge. It's a bit bonkers. Yeah, it is. Now, I make no secret of it to you, and I'm sure it'll come out on the podcast. Like NXT is my show. I love NXT, and I think they're in a little bit of a rebuilding stage, coming out of takeover like they often are, but there's few things simmering, and by the time they come around for the next takeover... They'll be firing all cylinders because I think consistently takeovers don't miss for me. They're the best show, the best big show consistently. And week to week, NXT is my favourite wrestling show in WWE or AEW or Impact. Anyway, that, that's my show. But SmackDown at the moment is absolutely excellent, I think, across the board. And that main event this week between Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan was just outstanding. First of all, it was a match by itself. You just give me that match by itself. Excellent. But 
the story around it of it's Brian's last chance at the Universal title. He's now banned from SmackDown. I'm sure we'll talk about where we think he's going to end up. Uh, I love that Cesaro is in around the main event where he belongs, where he should have been for so long. And we're finally seeing that now. It's all based around the Tribal Chief and Heyman and Uso. They're all the three of them. It's just the best character and storytelling and just reinvention of a man. Like the pandemic has been awful. And for wrestling, I think it has been awful. But the one man who's come out of it a million bucks compared to what he was is the reinvention of Roman Reigns. And he came back as a tribal chief with Paul Heyman in tow. It's just changed him completely. And I think given us the Roman Reigns, I don't think we all knew we wanted him as the tribal chief, but we wanted him different, didn't we? We didn't like the Roman Reigns that was getting pushed down our throats as the corporate baby face. And this Roman Reigns is just some of the... He's must-watch TV. I will not miss... Roman Reigns, if he's on television, whatever he's doing, I will be watching it. So why is there such a distinction between the two shows at the moment? Because if you were to give me both rosters, either side, and you were to go down the lists, Raw has a phenomenal roster. Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton, Matt Riddle. It's got a tag team division with with real depth. And yet something isn't clicking there for fans. And SmackDown is it feels to me like Raw is is like a Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmare. You go in, all the ingredients are there, but the chef doesn't know how to put it all together. Is it just a slump? Is it something that's reparable? What's your take? Uh, it's been said by it's been said many times by people with a lot more knowledge of wrestling than me and a lot more know in the business. But the three hours I think kills Raw. I really do because I feel like they just have to throw filler in there that isn't very good. I think that just ruins the whole show. And I think the three hours is an issue. I think you look at NXT, you look at SmackDown, they have good flow. It's the right amount of time. AEW is the same. They just you don't you don't feel like you're bored at any point really. Whereas with Raw, it feels like a bit of a slog to get through it. I think that's a huge bit of burnout there. And then with what they're doing with the with the stars, I don't really know, mate. Like there's like you said, there's so many great superstars sat there just not in good storylines, just not in anything that's interesting. And I don't really know how you fix it, to be honest. It feels to me like it's in a holding pattern. I'm not quite convinced it's as bad as Raw has ever been. Um, I will cut them some slack for the pandemic. And I remember back to the times when it was uh, Jim Ross, if your hero is The Undertaker, my hero is Jim Ross, when JR was in dance contests with Michael Cole and licking barbecue sauce off a foot. So we're not at those depths yet but it just feels like something isn't right there. Meanwhile, on SmackDown, as you say, Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns, an amazing program. We're recording this on uh, the Monday. Daniel Bryan could pitch up in NXT on the Tuesday. Let's assume he doesn't. What's next for Daniel Bryan? What would you do with him? I would leave him for a few weeks. I don't want to see him for a while and let the let it build of where is he going to end up. Because I think most people think he'll end up on Raw. I want to see him in NXT, mate. That's the wrestlers wrestling show isn't it for me like that's the closest WWE get to the indies and maybe pure wrestling and I want to see him having these wrestling matches with these great wrestlers I'm not saying there isn't those on the main roster but for example the one they've got to give us is Pete Dunn's out there saying he's the best technical wrestler in the world Daniel Bryan has said in an interview I think it was um with Alex McCarthy in TalkSport I think he said well if he's saying that then I've got to go and wrestle haven't I because if he wants to test himself against the best, that's me. I need to see that. I want to see Brian versus Dunn. I want to see Brian versus Cole. I want to see Brian Balor. I want to see. I want to see Daniel Bryan have a run at the NXT title. 
that's what I want to see. I want to see him work his way through NXT and go after that title. So for me, it's a no-brainer. He has to go to NXT, I think. Now, they might be looking at Raw and going, Raw's struggling. Let's get the Daniel Bryan pop in there and get that interest because people will watch where Bryan is. But for me, he's tailor-made for NXT, isn't he? I think for me, what's interesting is there used to be a point where you had a star on Raw or a star on SmackDown that you could put someone with and elevate them by working with them. That you would see, you know, Edge, when Edge was beginning to break through, they'd put Edge with Shawn Michaels and they'd have a street fight on Raw and Edge would get the win and Edge was elevated. I think everyone on Raw feels fairly flat. Whereas Daniel Bryan, if you were to put him in the NXT universe, you've got someone who everyone else is going to be elevated by working with. And because NXT has done such a good job of building new stars... Daniel Bryan against a Cole, an O'Reilly, a Balor, feels like you're going to bring those people up. And let's be honest, NXT isn't developmental anymore. NXT is a third brand. And if you want to boost that third brand, what better than sending a bona fide WrestleMania main eventer down there to say, show me what you've got? Here's the match I want to see. It's just jumped in my head. I want to see Bryan versus Walter for the NXT UK title. <laughs> yeah, can they have a stack of ambulances outside for that, please? Can they have like a whole fleet of them ready to go? Walter, as much as I love seeing him against other big guys, he's at his best when he has a smaller guy who he can work with. You look at his match versus Bait, his match versus Druganov, these sorts of people, that's what Champa at TakeOver Stand Deliver, they're the matches where he's at his best. He's got a small physical guy who can work. And what I love that they've done with the UK title is it's, I generally think the NXT UK title is the most prestigious title in WWE now. It doesn't change hands. It doesn't get defended that often. You don't have small little runs with it. And whoever Walter loses it to, and I don't think it should be Daniel Bryan. I don't want him to win it, but I want him to have an unbelievable knockout 30, 40 minute match with Walter where they just batter each other. That gives even more credence, both to the title, to Walter's run with it, and Walter as a whole, because in Walter, they've got a future world champion, no doubt. I want you to build this prestige more and more. So have him knock off Daniel Bryan as well. That just builds him more and more for when he eventually comes over to Raw or SmackDown, which he's going to eventually, you think. They're not going to keep him in NXT and NXT UK forever. But that's a match. Now I've said it. If I don't see that, I'll die an unhappy man. You need to manifest it. You need to make it happen. Just think positive thoughts and it's going to happen. In fact, the more you say that, the more I think of Shawn Michaels' run when he came back in 2002. I think he won the world title once for a month, but you could plug him into programs just to elevate other people. So look, this is the Earning the Push podcast. We'll be fantasy booking a little bit later. If you've ever wanted to give the Doctor of Thugonomics, John Cena, the send-off he deserves, stay with us because we'll be doing that a bit later. And a segment we will call Earning Earning the push and back to developmental, those everyday things in life that frustrate you or you'd like to see more of, put in wrestling terms. Uh, you can be with us at Charlie underscore Beckett is him. I am at Jack underscore Murley. You can email earning the push podcast at hotmail.com. Thank you so much to everyone who, who's already got behind this. Uh, Fill Your Boots Rugby on Twitter says this podcast sounds like it'll be awesome. Can't wait to listen. Emma says I'm in. I can't wait to listen. Uh, George on Instagram says I want last. Ashley content, please. He is an old teammate of yours, George. Do you want to explain this story briefly? So this is George Eastwell, who is, to call him a casual wrestling fan would be unfair to casual wrestling fans. George knows that wrestling happens and watched it as a kid. I lived with him in Jersey when we started doing the show together in Jersey, our first time doing this, Jack. 
George, this was before. So now you say Lashley content, it makes sense. He's the world champion. This was, I think Lashley had just come back to WWE, but it was a small deal. Like he was doing nothing. And whenever I came on the show with you, George would message me like, "I want to hear about Bobby Lashley." And when we did our Mount Rushmore wrestlers, George just picked four Bobby Lashleys. And he was, used to say to me, he was like, mate, Lashley's going to be the thing. Lashley, I was like, George, Lashley's time has been and gone. Well, now, of course, Bobby Lashley is the world champion and on the run of his career. And George is just rubbing it in my face whenever he can. That I'm meant to be this big wrestling fan. I have this wrestling show and he called it way before anyone else. So I said to him, I'm sure at some point we will have a deep conversation about Bobby Lashley and how well he's doing at the moment. But uh, yes, that's George, George Eastwell, who's enjoying being able to rub my face that he predicted the Lashley title run long before anyone else. Well, we are, as this programme goes along, going to be bringing guests onto the podcast from the world of rugby and wrestling and everywhere in between. So it sounds like we need to maybe tap George up to see what's going to be the next big thing in wrestling uh, in a few years' time. Um, from WWE, where they've been struggling to build new stars, to AEW, who, as we record this, are counting down to Blood and Guts. Now, when this show publishes, Blood and Guts will be in the books. But we have to say... AEW has done a tremendous job, not only of building new stars, but building anticipation for this match. It's going to be something. Yeah, and I, I've made no secret of it. I'm probably more of a WWE fan than AEW. I think you're probably more knowledgeable in AEW than I am. Like, like NXT's my show. I'd say AEW's um, Dynamite's probably yours. But this build to Blood and Guts has got my attention 100%. That parlay segment this week was one of the best segments I've ever seen because... What I love is when you see two sides arguing and they're both making good points. Both of them are making points. You're like, oh, yeah, actually, no. Jericho's got a real point there. Then MJF comes back. You're like, oh, God, no. Actually, that's a really good point. And they're just, I'm so into I love a new stipulation match. I love seeing new things. So I'm really intrigued to see how the Blood and Guts match plays out. They've been built. They obviously had to postpone this whole show. They had to postpone it. There's huge build around this. There is huge anticipation in the rest of the world for it. But I'd say most of the times when AEW have had that, they've delivered. So I'm really, really interested to have a watch and see what they're doing. But I'm, I'm very excited for this. And you talk about building new stars. In the last 18 months, has a star been built like MJF? That man is just, he's flying, isn't he? Yeah, MJF and Jungle Boy and Darby Allen, and I think it shows that when, um, and I was listening to the Busted Open podcast with Bully Ray and Dave LaGreca, and they were saying that when other organisations say you can't build stars at the moment, you look at WWE, or rather AEW, and you say, yes, you can. You've, you've done it there. I, I can see you doing it. So uh, we look forward to that with interest. We hope everyone comes out okay. But from the current wrestling scene to what we would do if we were in charge, fantasy booking is a huge part of this show. We'll start our first scenario next, so don't go anywhere. After the break, Earning the Push podcast continues. Charlie Beckett and Jack Murley, don't go anywhere. So welcome back, part two of the Earning the Push podcast. The first half of the show is always about setting things to right in the wrestling world. The second part that we do now is all about what we would do if we were in charge. It's all about how we would take a scenario and take it to the end. And I say we 
not just me and Charlie, we want everyone to get involved with this. Uh, we'll be setting a different scenario each week and then doing a couple of weeks of folks' thoughts and what they would do if they were Vince McMahon, Tony Khan or someone in between. And today we've got a cracking topic to start with. And for the next couple of weeks, we'll be doing this as well. We start with the man who has arguably defined WWE for nearly two decades, and that's John Cena. Big match, John, the doctor of thugonomics and arguably the most polarizing figure WWE has had in many, many years. A 16-time world champion, a two-time Royal Rumble winner, a multiple-time mania headliner. From battling Nexus to sparring with The Rock, there is not much that John Cena hasn't done. But since 2019, his appearances have been sporadic. It is clear that Big Match John's career is beginning to wind down inside the ring. So how would you book one last John Cena run? At Charlie underscore Beckett on Twitter, at Jack underscore Murley on Twitter as well. You can DM us both. You can email the Earning the Push podcast at hotmail.com. We'll start doing some of your suggestions next week. But for now, Charlie and I are going to do the first stages of how we would do it. Do you want to go first or second, big man? What do you want? I'm going to go second. So let's throw it over to you first, because I feel like I do a lot of talking on this. So I want to hear you for a change, Jack. How are you booking? What's your first part of the end of John Cena? Because I'm really intrigued if we've done something similar. Okay. Because we genuinely just put out there, Jack and I have not spoken about what we're doing at all. That's something we agreed on. Before we come on the podcast, we aren't going to share our ideas with each other because that would ruin it. So if we ever end up with the same, it's a complete fluke. But knowing how differently Jack and I see wrestling sometimes, I'd be surprised if we do something too similar. Okay, that's intriguing. That's a little bit of a tease. So here is how I would book part one of John Cena's last run. So June 25th, 19 years since John Cena's debut, give or take a couple of days. And the month before June 25th, so the end of May, suddenly an advert on SmackDown. John Cena is coming home And not only is he coming home, he's having his first match in more than a year against The Miz. And this is built as the big thing in pro wrestling. A month of promos celebrating John Cena's career. From the ruthless aggression slap, Kurt Angle giving his views, Wade Barrett on the feud with the Nexus, Shawn Michaels on their classic in London, Edge on how Cena made the rated R superstar who he is. It's all bells and whistles for the return of Big Match John. And in the background, you have The Miz cutting promos saying, Cena left more than a year ago. I'm the man now. Look at what I've achieved. Do you really think this man is going to come back out of virtual retirement and beat me? Well, no one cares about that because it's Big Match John. And on SmackDown, Cena returns for the match with The Miz. There's pyro, there's celebration, there's returning hero vibes. And inside the ring, The Miz beats him clean. And not only does The Miz beat John Cena clean, John Cena doesn't hit the AA. John Cena can't lock in the STF. John Cena is unable to do what John Cena has made a living of doing, and Miz beats him clean. And suddenly, the announcers are having to sell a completely different storyline. No fairy tale comeback for John Cena. The crowd, and let's assume there is a crowd, is as stunned as we are. Big Match John hasn't got it done. Well, the next week on SmackDown, out comes the Miz, and he doesn't even gloat. Why are you surprised, he says. What did you think would happen? I've been here week in, week out, busting my ass, and Cena's been gone for more than a year. This was obvious. Cena's music hits. 
out comes John Cena, and he challenges The Miz to another match. Maybe, says John, I let the hype get the better of me. Maybe I know deep down that I underestimated you. But I don't make mistakes more than once. Well, The Miz says that Cena is deluded, but Cena cuts one of his classic promos. So many people have been better than me, says Cena. Taker, Shawn Michaels, CM Punk, but I never back down and I never give up. And with that, The Miz is goaded into accepting and the match is on for a pay-per-view in four weeks' time. No promos from either man, instead it's training videos and other superstars hyping up the match, giving it the big build. And at the pay-per-view, far more competitive. Cena hits the AA, but the Miz kicks out. And Miz hits the skull-crushing finale, and Cena kicks out. And after 25 minutes of back and forth with the crowd at a peak, the Miz snatches a roll-up. And Cena gets pinned clean again. And that's two in a row. And afterwards, the Miz dances around the ring saying, I told you, Cena, I told you I was better than you. Come on, give me another shot. And Cena goes to the top of the ramp and stands and the crowd waits for Cena to charge back down and take Miz out. And Cena stops, looks at the floor and walks away. And the camera goes to Michael Cole, who says, ladies and gentlemen, I have called nearly every big match John Cena has ever had in his career, but I've never seen him quit. Well, John Cena has just walked away from a fight. I guess he's not the man I thought we all knew. Ooh, I like it. We're very, very different, but I like it. Also, let me just say, John Cena motivated in the midst of 25 minutes would put on a hell of a match. That would, that would be an excellent match I'd love to see. They, um, they can go and they've got great chemistry together. My, my thinking on this was, if you're going to bring someone back for Cena to fight and you want to change up the storyline... Cena has to lose, and Cena has to lose again. But hey, that's just my thought. That's part one. At Jack underscore Murley, at Charlie underscore Beckett. Maybe you hate that. Let us know. You can email uh, earningthepushpodcast at hotmail.com. Big man, it's all yours. What would you do booking Cena's last run? I'm also playing God a little bit with the pandemic of we've got crowds back in and we're touring by just post money in the bank. We have a Raw in Boston, because obviously John's from West Newbury, Massachusetts, as we all know, closest big city when the arena's Boston. And the week before, at the Raw before that, it is announced that John Cena is coming to Raw in Boston to retire. He's retiring at home. He's going to come out and give his retirement speech. This is the John Cena retirement show. Career in Hollywood's taken off too much. He can't commit to wrestling. He wants to put it to bed. So you have a whole week on WWE, on, on social media, little clips of Cena, everything, and then it gets to Raw, and the whole show is built around John's going to come out and give a half-hour speech at the end, Shawn Michaels-esque after WrestleMania 26. He's gonna, It's going to be excellent. So you have little clips of all his biggest nights, and the big thing is WWE do not shy away from what a divisive figure John Cena has been throughout his career. The let's go Cena, Cena sucks, it's embraced. So you have his big wins like Mania 21, the 2008 Rumble, huge pops like that. Mania 29 beating The Rock. But you also have things like One Night Stand with Rob Van Damme, Money in the Bank 2011, The Nexus. You you embrace the fact that we didn't always get it right with Cena. We know you hate some of this. And then you have great talking head interviews with, you bring the big guns out, Vince, Triple H, Michaels, Angle, Taker, Rock. I'm fantasy booking to CM Punk is on talking about John Cena. Heyman, Roman, Daniel Bryan, everyone's there talking about the good parts of John Cena and what he's done. Nikki Bella's on. Everyone's talking about John and embracing what he's done for WWE. But again, do not shy away from how divisive he's been because I need everyone to believe that this is the retirement. 
So finally, out comes John. And he starts to give his retirement speech. And he does everything you'd expect him to do. All the thank yous, blah, blah, all this. Just as you think it's ending, it's just been him in the ring. Ric Flair's music hits. And out comes Rick. And Rick walks down to the ring and he's in his usual attire, loads of bling. You know when he wears a suit but with a t-shirt, which is really weird that Ric Flair does sometimes. He has. And the important thing is the jacket of his suit is salmon. And that's a really important point, that his jacket is salmon-coloured. So Rick comes to the ring and gives John a big hug, and they start talking. And obviously Rick brings up that John's tied with him on 16 world titles, and he really thought John would be the man to go past him. But, hey, I guess they're the same. They're the same in their titles, and they're the same in the fact they just need both needed WWE. And as Rick says, we both needed WWE, you just see something in John's face. He's like, he just looks at Rick. Anyway, Rick keeps going, and... Rick starts talking about um, the Doctor of Thugonomics. That was his favourite scene because obviously Rick's a big thing on the rap stage now. He's been in rap videos. Rappers love him. And he goes, John, could I ask one last favour before you go? From one 16-time world champ to another. And he pulls out a cap and Cena's old. You know, he had the huge um, padlock pendant that he wore with the huge chain. He pulls out and he says, John, could you rap with me one last time? And the crowd are going wild. They want to see Rick and John rap. So John's like, yeah. So he puts the cap on. And he holds the pendant, his huge chain in his hand. And Rick's, Rick's taking his jacket off to get ready to rap and dance. And as he does, John just wraps the chain around his fist. And as Rick turns around, he just decks Ric Flair straight in the middle of the ring with the chain wrapped around his fist. He looks at Rick on the floor. He picks up the salmon jacket. He puts it on. And he just says, picks up the mic and just says, I'll be back next week. And walks out the ring. For a whole week, everyone's wondering why John Cena's done this. Why is he, why is he done what he did? He comes out the next week and he explains he genuinely was planning on retiring last week, right until Ric Flair came out. And he says he loves Rick and he hates that he had to do what he had to do to Rick. But when Rick said, we're the same, we both need WWE, that really got him because John says, I don't need this company. I've proved that. This company needs me. I could have gone and been a Hollywood star at the start. I could have been a rapper. I could have done all these things, but I chose to be a wrestler. And to say that I need WWE, that's disrespectful. So I'm going to show show that I'm the best this this company's ever seen. I'm going to show this company needs me. I'm going to break Rick's record. I'm going to win 17 world titles. Triple H comes out seething. I said, who the hell do you think you are? Do you think I'm going to let you get anywhere near the title in my company? Now that you've just done that to Rick, my mentor, my hero, my father figure. And John just starts laughing. Just Triple H just getting, you know, he does that face where he's almost frothing, where his head's about to explode. He's so angry. And he's like, what are you laughing at? And John says, your company, Hunter, your your company. Don't, Don't think it's your company, is it? And out comes Vince. And John just says, Vince, do you want to tell him or shall I? And what John Cena has done behind the scenes is he's signed a deal with Vince McMahon that any time, if he wants to come back to WWE, he can, and he goes straight to the line for a WWE title shot, because Vince couldn't bear the thought of losing him full-time to Hollywood. So you start a little bit of a little bit of friction between Triple H and John Cena. We don't actually see John again until SummerSlam. SummerSlam rolls around. The main event is John Cena versus Bobby Lashley for the WWE title, and they have a really good match, and... They're both wrestling really well and wrestling their usual styles. John, since he decked Rick, we haven't seen a single bit of non-normal John Cena. 
He's wrestling clean. He's going through his moves. They cannot put each other away. Cena's in the hurt lock and he's fading, he's fading and he suddenly lashes out to try and get out and he kicks and he catches the ref and the ref goes down. And now Lashley lets go of him and tries to get the ref back up and he's trying to get the ref up and you just see John start to think. He's just thinking and he pulls Lashley up and he just low blows him. Just low blows Lashley in the middle of the ring. He then goes out to where his stuff is outside the ring, picks up the huge pendant on the chain, wraps it round his fist, walks in the ring, decks Lashley. Brings the ref back round, covers Lashley in the middle. One, two, three. John Cena's cheated to win a 17th world title. That's the end of my first bit, but I am I'm going with a Cena heel run. I love it. And what I love is that that 17th title is historic and it took the weight of history to make John Cena turn to the dark side. All the temptation he has had in his career over the years, it was that he couldn't resist. Two very different storylines, two very different directions we're going in. We will pick this up next week. We'd like your ideas, though. We've already had some coming in uh, in the week we were leading up to this, and we would love you to get involved. Either you love what we're doing, you hate what we're doing, or you think you could book it better. Uh, if that's you, then the Earning the Push podcast at hotmail.com address is the one you need to go to. Earning the Push podcast at hotmail.com. You can DM at Charlie underscore Beckett or at Jack underscore Murley. Do not go anywhere. In a moment, we're giving something a push and sending to developmental some irritations from everyday life. So we're back on the Earning the Push podcast. Wrestling is our lives, Charlie, but we don't live in a bubble. We live in the same world as everyone else. And as with everyone else, some things are irritations we don't want to see any more of and some things we love and we'd like to see more of. We want to push the things we love and send the things we hate to developmental. This is how we wrap up each and every podcast. Charlie, what are you going to push in everyday life at the moment and what are you sending to developmental? So what is earning the push from me this week, Jack, is actually something that you pushed to me. And I cannot stop watching Superstore on Netflix at the moment. I cannot stop. <laughs> I saw you tweeting about it and we spoke about it. And I was sat on the sofa with my girlfriend today and we were looking for something, an easy watch. I was like, oh, I've heard this is quite good. Let's have a watch. Well, it's taken over my life. It has taken over my life. And I absolutely love it. And I texted you and said, it just screams US office vibes at me in the best way. It's not a rip-off of it, but it's got the same sort of humour and there are definitely character traits and certain characters from Superstore that there are in the office, and I'm a huge office fan. And I just am manifesting that Cloud9 is round the corner from Dunder Mifflin in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and one day, just one day, Michael Scott and Dwight Schrute are going to walk in and are going to meet Glenn and Dina. That's all I need in my life. I mean, it's not going to happen, if that did, I could then die happy. I said earlier, if something didn't happen, if Walter and Brian didn't happen, I wouldn't die happy. If Glenn and Dina meet Michael and Dwight, I'll die a happy man. That's what's earning the push from me. Back to developmental, I'm staying with TV, is the line of duty ending from Sunday night. Now, I've seen some people on socials hating it. I didn't hate it per se, but I was just a little bit okay, a bit underwhelmed. Um, 
I think these huge shows, it's tough for them to look because Live Duke for six series has been unbelievable television. And some of the twists and turns have been incredible. It was always going to be tough for them to do an ending, like Game of Thrones, that lived up to the hype of the series before. But it was just a bit a bit meh, to be honest. So I'd send that back to developmental, work on your character, come back and give me another go. My favourite thing about Line of Duty, and I haven't been watching it, is I was watching everyone react and I thought, now you know what it's like to be a wrestling fan. All the people who had to be up early the next morning, who didn't want spoilers, that's our world after WrestleMania. And all the people who saw the ending and went, I, they can't end it like that. I was like, you are in the same mental headspace as we were when Batista won the Rumble and then Reigns won the Rumble. Welcome to the Wrestling World line of duty fans. Come on in, pull up a chair. We have all been here. Absolutely. So maybe I'm actually reacting better to it than some people because I'm used to it from being a wrestling fan. WWE have preconditioned me to being disappointed in endings that could have been so much better. But that's, that's what's going back to developmental for me. What about you, mate? What's earning the push and what's going back to developmental? Okay, earning the push is, and this is going to sound pathetic, but I have discovered in my life mini chocolate Weetabix, and they are an absolute game changer. I can see you on the stream here looking at me like, what are you talking about? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because the same happened to my dad in lockdown one. We, um... <laughs> I was doing the big, sh- I was doing the big shop with him at Costco. We went to because obviously we we're trying to limit going shopping. So we try to do one a week, and there was five of us in the house. And we're big people; we eat a lot. So we go to Costco. And my my youngest sister Kate was like, "Oh, Dad, if they've got chocolate chip mini Weetabix, can you get them, please?" And they had like double packs. And my dad tried some, and honestly, he just became addicted for the whole of lockdown one. We were they were going through chocolate Weetabix in our house like there was no tomorrow. I I don't know what it is about them, but I. <laughs> I, I went through a whole pack in a day, in a day, some for breakfast, some I'm snacking on, another bowl at night. So last time we did the big shop, I thought I'll buy two packs because then at least I'll have a visual representation of how bad things are going. No, they went two packs in an absolute moment. Um, So I don't know what it's doing for my teeth. It's not doing much for my waistline, but they are, are earning the push. I'm embracing that. Um, Back to developmental, wearing good clothes. Because we've all been locked down for about fourteen months, or in some form of um, in some form of lockdown, and I have had to start doing more work for my proper job, where I'm having to wear a smart shirt, and it is a gutting moment when you put on the shirt that fitted you fourteen months ago, and you're trying to do the top button and trying to get. It's like when Angle would try to lock on an ankle lock. You're trying to get it in place and get it all sorted, and it's not happening, and you just have to give up. So if one thing sticks with us out of this god-awful pandemic, I think get rid of shirts, get rid of suits. Everyone is fine in casual clothes. I am sending smart clothes back to developmental. Mate, I can get on board with that. I put jeans on now, and I'm like, oh, someone's fancy. <laughs> Well, you've got people can't see this actually. You've really embraced our first podcast. You've got your old school NWO shirt on, and this is a training shirt as well. You wear this. I'll tell you what I'm wearing. Yes, I'm actually prepping to go to the gym after the podcast. So I thought I'll kill two birds with one stone. I'll train in my NWO t shirt because now and again you see someone else with a wrestling shirt at the gym, and it's just the greatest moment. I've got that on. I've got some gym shorts on. I've got some socks on. I've actually got some slippers on today. So I'm really embracing the. Uh, the lockdown way of doing things. I'm in my slippers under the desk 
doing the smart casual, but I'm not doing the smart bit. I'm just doing casual on casual. Well, that seems the appropriate note to sort of wrap it up on. We can't top Charlie Beckett's sartorial splendour on the pod this week. Um, Thank you for being with us for episode one. So many people have got in touch already. Uh, Emma on Twitter, as we said, can't wait to listen. Dan on Twitter, good luck, boys. Really looking forward to this going forward. Ben, uh, good luck, can't wait to listen. Uh, This is Chris, who says you were speaking about NXT and SmackDown. I'm loving NXT at the moment. I think SmackDown is okay. Uh, They're just not pushing the right people enough for a long period of time, and then they're forgotten about matches all the tag matches seem the same as well um loving AEW though at the moment by the way i've been a fan for 33 years now i would love to come on your show going forward lots of people wanting to come on we're going to establish a show get a few under our belt and then we're definitely having guest bookers on so we will do all of that um charlie a pleasure same time next week if you'd like to get in touch at charlie underscore beckett on twitter at jack underscore merley on twitter for myself earning the push podcast at hotmail.com we will see you again next week when we'll do it all again but until then bye bye